and welcome. You're watching Be the People. I'm Rishika Barua. A married woman, 26 week pregnant, has approached uh, the Supreme Court seeking to terminate her pregnancy, citing the inability to take care of the child due to postpartum depression and other health issues. The petitioner, like I said, is a 27 year old, already mother of two. She explicitly told the Supreme Court of India that she is not in a position to take care of a third child while she is still breastfeeding her second. In fact, it was because she was breastfeeding that she didn't realize she was pregnant. On the 9th of October, the Supreme Court allowed the abortion. A day later, the government filed an application to recall the order saying that the fetus is viable and has a heartbeat. Two days later, brandishing this very report from the All India Institute of Medical Sciences Medical Board, the court gave a split verdict. They couldn't agree on whether a fetal heartbeat should be stopped or not. So the matter was then directed to a larger bench headed by the Chief Justice of India, which observed that the highest court of the land cannot overlook the rights of an unborn child. Seven days later, the Supreme Court rejected the abortion plea. This has once again reignited a pro-life versus pro-choice debate in the country. But before we get into the larger issue, let's look at the broad contours of what is the abortion law in India. Abortion is a criminal offence in India under Section 312 of the IPC. So a woman and her doctor can both potentially be sent to prison for carrying out an abortion. Then came the Medical Termination of Pregnancy Act in 1971, which was later amended in 2002 and 2021, which essentially allows for abortions within gestational limits and with certain conditions. So pregnancy within 20 weeks is permitted with an opinion of one medical practitioner. The termination of a pregnancy between 20 to 24 weeks is allowed only under special circumstances with the medical opinion of two medical practitioners and for an abortion at 25 weeks or beyond a medical board is constituted and two conditions need to be met one is grave fetal abnormality or threat to the life of the woman in this case that we're talking about neither of those two conditions according to the court were met and hence the court did not allow the termination of pregnancy at 26 weeks citing no threat to the mother and no threat to the child so while in letter we have a progressive law in spirit the united nations data shows that eight women in india die every day due to unsafe abortions the united nations data says that an astounding 67% of abortions in india are illegal and therefore unsafe so while abortion continues to be an exception and not the rule Women in India are either at the mercy of doctors or at the mercy of courts to terminate pregnancy. Caught between the right of the woman and the unborn child tonight on the show we ask whose heartbeat is it anyway. Joining us is a very esteemed panel in the studio. We have Mimansa Singh Tanwar, she's a clinical psychologist associated with the Fortis Group of Hospitals. We have with us Dr. Amit Mishra, he's an advocate of the Supreme Court who moved the Supreme Court uh, last year in the case of an unmarried woman seeking ab- uh, abortion which led to a historic verdict in the Supreme Court last year. Thank you very much for being with us. We also have Dr. Nikhil Datar, a senior gynecologist based in Mumbai. He's also a lawyer. 
and it is his fight for abortion rights that actually paved the way for amendments to the Medical Termination of Pregnancy Act very recently. We have Professor Deepika Jain, she's a professor of law, Center for Justice, Law and Society, the Jindal Global Law School. And we also have Dr. Suchitra Dalvi, she's a consultant gynecologist and a coordinator for Asia Safe Abortion Partnerships. Thank you all very much for being uh, with us on We the People. I want to begin, uh, Dr. Amit, by asking you, you know, it was your case in the Supreme Court last year that actually led to a very historic verdict in terms of widening the definition and scope of abortion in India. Do you look at this verdict, this recent verdict of the Supreme Court in 2023, therefore, as a setback? Yeah, thank you, ma'am. When we compare with both the cases, last year judgment and this one judgment, then last year judgment was very progressive. And that was a landmark in itself also, which gave a reproductive choice, bodily integrity, to the mother and there was no difference between this case and the previous case the difference is only one that in the previous one the lady was unmarried mm-hmm. and there was no threat to mother there was no threat to child also and in this case also the facts are same difference is only this i am married in this case there is no threat to as such mother and there is no as such threat to fetus right so difference is that in the previous one i was unmarried in this one i was married so why the difference between both of them? There was I was 25 weeks, there, here I was 26 weeks. Hmm. So the question of fetal uh, viability, I think erroneous in this. Okay. Already there are landmark cases before this also where 27 weeks, 28 weeks and 30 weeks also, 33 weeks abortions are granted by the Supreme Court and various high courts in India. Hmm. And there, in all those cases, there is no danger to fetal fetus or mother. Hmm. Even after that, only on the ground of mental health, that there is a grave injury to the mother, to the only on that ground, the abortions are allowed. Hmm. But un, I don't understand why in this case, being ma- married, I was denied. So, according to me, the justice was not done in this case. Right. Uh, the Supreme Court, you know, just for the benefit of our viewers, last year had delivered a very historic verdict and, you know, uh, Dr. Amitya was a petitioner in the case where they had expanded the scope of uh, abortions in the country. They'd actually allowed for abortions up to 24 weeks with, of course, conditions. Uh, abortions were also extended, uh, you know, to unmarried women. So it was a very historic verdict in a certain sense. But from what we understand, you know, what's happened last year versus what's happened now is that there are very different interpretations of the law. So there are very different things that the court is saying in different cases. And I want to bring in Professor Deepika Jain into the conversation here because, Professor Jain, do you think this is very problematic because you have different courts saying different things in different cases? I mean, you know, what kind of precedence is this setting? This is leading to utter confusion on the ground, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. Uh, this is uh, this is really about a, a classic case of legal indeterminacy where different, uh, same, uh, I mean, different uh, judgments with similar circumstances are having different verdicts. And the reason is very clear. It's because the inconsistency around the abortion jurisprudence comes from a clear distinction between what a good abortion is and what a bad abortion is. So, for example, what Dr. Amit was saying, if it's a married woman, then it's a bad abortion. But if it's not a married woman, it's a young woman who's who's unmarried and, and has uh, suffered sexual assault, then it is a good abortion, right? So there is that kind of distinction. And that's also because this perception is there both within the doctors healthcare providers and the judges. Now, this is not just how the adjudication happens. It's also the legal design of the law, which is the problem, where there is no centrality to the autonomy of the woman or the pregnant person. And because of which there is too much flip-flop that happens. On So, for example, in this case itself, 
if you see the first time the two bench judges allowed termination then one of them felt no this is very heavy on mm. my conscience mm. and then it went to the three judges and they then they did flip flop within their decisions through two medical board reports so what is this telling us mm. that a woman's autonomy while held as absolute last year in 2022 judgment mm. is an absolute fundamental right according to the judgment has now been negotiated and the negotiation is happening on biases which is really problematic right and like i said you know what does what is the kind of precedence is set for lower courts across the country and let's just also yes. you know tell our viewers over here that there are over a thousand women that actually file abortion cases in courts these are the number of cases that fresh cases that are filed every year in our courts and this is again a small percentage of women who have access to courts so you know what's really happening on the ground as far as abortions is concerned i think is is available in that statistic where we learn from the united nations data that there are eight women losing their lives to unsafe abortions every year in the country and i want to bring in dr nikhil datar because he's a senior gynecologist but he's also somebody you know who's been an architect in a certain sense of the amendments uh, to the medical termination of pregnancy act dr datar tell us what's really happening on the ground i mean you know there are progressive versus regressive things that are being said in court and all of that is is one aspect the letter of what is being said is one aspect but in spirit what is happening on the ground tell us Uh, so as you as you are aware of the fact that uh, there was an amendment to the medical termination of pregnancy act and now we have a new act which has kind of liberalized the terminations of pregnancy from 20 weeks to 24 weeks and even beyond 24 weeks uh, so definitely there is a improvement but improvement is not enough actually because uh, there are still lot of fallacies that i see in the amended law and that's precisely why and unfortunately i have had to once again challenge the termination of pregnancy amendment act in the mm. supreme court uh, citing the difficulties and the problems and one of the biggest problems that i see over there of course one of it has already been solved by advocate amit last year uh, that is about this discrepancy caused because of the marital status yes. you know now the truth of the fact is that although there is a judgment which is delivered that married and unmarried women cannot be differentiated on the basis of their marital status hmm. in terms of pro- providing the termination of pregnancy the ground level situation is that today if there is a woman who is unmarried not a rape survivor not having an abnormality in the fetus hmm. uh, she goes to a to a hospital the doctors in the hospital will say that look i have for to follow the rules under the law the rules under the the law have not been changed so far hmm. judgments and all that we have no understanding of all that we can't keep up with judgments and so all that so one minute can i just interrupt you there and understand dr mishra you're saying that there have been judgments of the supreme court and other courts but the rules on the ground has not been changed so governments have not yes. been notified so doctors are still reluctant to carry out abortions is that what you're saying yes correct okay go ahead so uh, so what is happening is that although you have recognized all these things there hmm. in the code and in print but on ground reality there is no change now second big problem that i see with the amendments is that if you see even a minor girl who is a rape survivor hmm. imagine girl who is 12 years and 13 years and she is found to be pregnant and it's very common hmm. that very young girls i mean they just by virtue of being too young you know by the time people notice that they are pregnant they are many a time beyond 24 weeks hmm. and in spite of that fact that she is a young girl the amended termination of pregnancy act also does not still allow 
a termination of pregnancy right. to her now because the condition the because of, the condition beyond 24 weeks is is right. only two threat to life of right. child or threat to life of mother right. and right. the third big problem that i see in the amendments is that they have come up with this medical board and hmm. if you look at the whole architecture of the medical board the way the medical boards have been made uh, it's it's very funny actually because the medical board is supposed to have one pediatrician one radiologist and one gynecologist minimally on the board hmm. while on the other hand your medical termination of pregnancy 1971 act says and the rules there under say hmm. that the person who can terminate the pregnancy has to not be a doctor only but has to have a certain degree of experience slash qualification right. in doing medical termination of pregnancies per se. So typically a gynecologist. So in short, if at all, if at all on your board only one gynecologist is there and hmm. other non-gynecologists are there who have got no qualification slash experience in doing termination of pregnancy. Right. I mean, how shortly or how effectively is that board going to function when people sitting on the board don't have the required qualifications or experience? Hmm. So You've raised... in short, it's kind of a sham, I would say, that these boards may not effectively work and provide right. justice to a woman just by virtue of making You've it raised... in a very short manner. You've raised several, several very important points and I think the moot point here the larger question it all comes back to is, you know, whether we just need to decriminalize uh, abortions in India and whether that's really going to be, you know, the end game solution to a lot of problems that several panelists have raised. But I, I want to also, you know, delve into the other side of the debate. Dr. Suchitra, if I can bring you into the conversation here, uh, you know, we have very stringent laws in place because of the threat of feticide. Even in this particular case in the Supreme Court, the petitioners who argued against the uh, the abortion said that, you know, killing a uh, or, or terminating a viable pregnancy when there's no threat to the mother or to the child amounts to feticide. But feticide has also been a very real problem, continues to be a very real problem. Do you think there is some level of confusion when it comes to abortions versus the threat of feticide? Thank you for asking that question. It's actually, you know, requires much longer and deeper conversation. But just to put it very briefly, I think the conversation really needs to be central to the person who's pregnant and what it means for them to not have to continue an unwanted pregnancy. I think all other questions, including the uh, you know last two decades conversation around feticide, specifically female feticide, needs to really center around the conversation of gender discrimination and the status of women in our society. And I think this is what is coming up even in this judgment, is that the person who's pregnant, the woman herself, her autonomy and agency were not given priority. And, uh, you know, by bringing in the fetus into the conversation in the first place, I think is what has muddied the waters. Hmm. Uh, going back to what the others have said also, does a woman as a citizen of this country have the right to decide what to do with her body or not? And I think that really is the central question. And it's been addressed by other courts earlier. So the Mumbai High Court in a judgment a couple of years ago said very clearly, and this was with uh, regards to a woman who was in prison. Hmm. And they said the, her external circumstances don't matter. If she's pregnant and doesn't want to continue it, she has every right to not continue the pregnancy. Right. And in the right to privacy judgment that was passed, you know, when the Aadhaar uh, uh, conversation was happening, hmm. uh, also a statement was made, not as part of the judgment, but another statement saying the right to privacy also includes the woman's right to take decisions about her own body in a private sphere. Right. Uh, not having it opened up for debate and, you know, having to go to court. So I think this woman particularly was failed at many levels, even before she reached the Supreme Court, right. in terms of being able to have ownership over her own body. 
but this is this is the this is the larger question that i asked right that there are so many different interpretations so many different cases where different judgments have been delivered circumstantially that it's it's very hard to actually understand what really you know is the basis on which courts are taking these decisions but you know i want to also address the elephant in the room uh, uh, mimansa is with us in the studios as well thank you very much for being with us the larger question here and you know just taking off from what dr suchita dalvi said as well about the moot point as a woman really have the right over her own body and are we completely ignoring the fact uh, that you know when you talk about the viability of the fetus and you talk about no threat to the mother which were the two reasons it was cited in this particular judgment are we completely ignoring the psychological factor uh, you know of this debate oh absolutely i think we are completely denying and not acknowledging the mental health aspect over here because uh, if the woman is struggling with peripartum depression there are obviously certain signs and symptoms that is going to impact her ability in child rearing and even during the pregnancy it is high likely possibility that this woman is going to struggle to be able to deal with it at a psychological level the impact that it is going to have hmm. and we also need to understand the kind of psychological impact that a woman has i mean for any woman bearing and rearing a child is something which is so close to them emotionally mm-hmm. now in a situation like this where a woman is going through um, either peripartum or postpartum depression the some of the symptoms and the signs are about not being able to feel connected to the child that is there right and the guilt the shame uh, the sadness all of those symptoms that are there that the women is experiencing at that point in time is something that one also needs to look at and which is where mental health rights i mean we are talking about so many other things over here when it comes to the act but what about the mental health rights uh, of an individual who is struggling with the mental health problem mm-hmm. and it needs to be looked at intersectionally just because we have one act and of course it's a it's a it's a welcome act it's something that we need but we also need to look at mental health as- aspects in different medical conditions as well right for any individual who's struggling with mental illness to be able to recognize because over here we are talking about their ability to also decide to choose for themselves what are their rights yes and where we there is already so much stigma when it comes to mental health and also you know if we are talking about the rights of the unborn child and in this case the supreme court has clearly given primacy to the rights of the unborn child versus that of the woman uh, then i think the larger question is what is the impact of carrying through a pregnancy like that on the child that you're bringing into the world you know it it's not the end of the story it's only the beginning of a new one so i think that ignites several questions but that brings me to my point uh, uh, dr amit if you want to come back into the conversation because if i understand this correctly the medical termination of pregnancy act very clearly says uh, that they will consider risk to a woman's physical and mental health but that's again up to a certain gestational limit that doesn't make any sense does it then <clears throat> if we see the mtp act basically if we see the overall scheme and purpose object of the act basically this act is made for the mother not the fetus mm-hmm. so we have to take into consideration the mother mm-hmm. here, her, here the paramount consideration is mother only so we have to see her physical and mental health both in there are several judgments which have been passed before this case where the there is no abnormality to the fetus there is no da- danger to the life of the mother even then the supreme court and various high court have passed the order only on the grave on the ground of grave injury to the uh, physical and mental health of the woman hmm. so why 
this why this not case why this case was different from others how this case there was no difference between this case and the other one hmm. Three months back, on 21st of August 2023, the Honorable Supreme Court, two judge bench, decided to uh, allow 27 weeks termination of pregnancy to rape survivor. Hmm. After three months, now this is the judgment where it has been denied. Hmm. And here I am, 26 weeks, only on the ground of merit. So I think I have been discriminated, and my mental conditions have been ignored, and mental health is completely ignored in my case. Hmm. and we or moreover along with mental health there are several other factors hmm. which fit are not been considered like physical financially emotionally socially psychologically so, all so have been ignored so what needs to happen i think the latter part of our conversation we've we've addressed the problem and i think all of you have brilliantly explained to us both anecdotally and in terms of what the law says as to what the law is and what the problems with the law very apparently are uh, dr nikhil datar if i can begin by asking you solutions what do you think needs to be done immediately in order to address some of these glaring uh, problems with the the abortion laws in india i think first and foremost collectively we as a society whether we are doctors judges or whatever the first thing that we need to understand that there is a big difference mm-hmm. in the word fetus vis-a-vis word child right. primarily calling it as an unborn child itself is wrong mentally you cannot consider it as a child it's a fetus and emotionally morally ethically and legally if you look at the jurisprudence internationally yes. where it is extremely clear that the fetus cannot have is not supposed to have an independent right of a human being right unless until it is born alive on the earth the right. the day the minute it gets disconnected from the mother it becomes an independent human being and all the rights of a human accrue right. to it up till that it is the mother's right that prevails at all points of time it has to be considered as an appendage as an organ of the mother and that is why the mother's right has to at all points of time be supreme number 1 right i think But which is why we asked that question at the very outset you know as to as to whose heartbeat is it anyway absolutely. i'm going i'm going to urge you to make your points very quickly because i do want to get in final comments from the other panelists so, as well yeah so yeah. two three quick quick questions if you are going to be bothered about stopping the fetal heart then any termination even termination done at 7 weeks of pregnancy also ultimately means extinguishing absolutely. of the absolutely so why why have why have that why have that difference uh, professor dipika jain third thing is that we need to understand that women who come to the court are victims of circumstances they are not coming there to establish their rights and all absolutely. that absolutely they, they are people who need help and okay. if you don't want to help them there, there is no point in discussing about this and case. like i said only a small percentage of women actually make it to courts the others are accessing unsafe abortions which is why we have that glaring statistic uh, professor absolutely. dipika jain yeah so i just wanted to clarify because i don't think that clarification has come in here the bench did not find legal grounds for termination because the law says that after 24 weeks you cannot terminate except on two grounds yes. but actually if if you could have interpreted by one broadly which has been done in two jurisprudence in the past where it has meant to preserve the life of the woman because there was immediate risk to a threat because of psychosis hmm. so i think there was legal ground is what i want to establish otherwise okay. the problem is with the law which is what justice chandrachur was of stating in the court room that's number one which is really important to state But the second thing, I think it's really important to understand that there is no right of the woman within this law, and we need to establish that. While there is jurisprudence that establishes it, there is no legislative understanding of that. And and so the three one two and the three one eight of the IPC has to go because that is what is criminalizing all of this abortion 
which is provided legally by abortion service providers and anything that falls outside will create fear of prosecution obviously nobody wants to get into this yes so that is one and then there are conflicting legislations like toxo where the where one needs to read it harmoniously because there right. is conflict with toxo in terms of access to adolescent healthcare so all of this creates a very draconian castral framework which needs right. to be addressed we cannot have a castral framework protecting rights of pregnant persons obviously this is what the problem is So, in a in a certain sense, decriminalizing uh, uh, you know abortions in India is going to be a good starting point, really. Uh, Dr. Suchitra Dalvi, final comments to you. Yeah, I completely agree that decriminalization is the way to go. And as a doctor, I would also like to say that you know, as a gynecologist, I being qualified and trained and certified provides so many more procedures which are far more, in a sense, uh, dangerous. Uh, but I'm allowed to do so because I'm trained to do so. So, there's really no need for a law to control. uh you know the interaction of providing an abortion service to uh, a woman who needs it no matter at what gestation age because mm. conducting a cesarean section at full term delivery definitely has higher risks but we are allowed to do it because so you are saying qualified. the gestational so, argument doesn't es- essentially make any sense exactly and the expertise of the doctor once you qualified trained certified someone you should allow that interaction to happen the way you would say with open heart surgery or any other major surgery you know it should be an interaction between the doctor and the woman herself uh bringing in many other people creates a third party which is a violation of your human rights uh, in terms of your autonomy of decision making as well so definitely decriminalization would be the way to go all right well uh, you know like i said we've uh, we've touched upon what is clearly uh, a very sensitive issue an issue like i said where if you read the letter of the law it may seem that india is better than a lot of countries in the world that have completely uh, uh, you know rolled back in in a certain sense uh, legal abortion so but in spirit if you actually look at the law there are so many things that still need to be addressed we have miles to go as far as granting women the right over their own body which like i said begged us to ask the question at the very outset whose heartbeat is it anyway we'll continue to track stories like this on we the people thank you very much for tuning in tonight